What's going on? And welcome back to Anybody and Everybody. I'm your host, Herm, and thanks for being here with me today. We're on quarantine day. Well, who the hell knows at this point? Woke up this morning and didn't even know what day of the week it is. However, I have such a fun guest for us today, guys. She is one of the biggest badasses in the sport of lacrosse. She's revolutionizing the game each and every day with her influence both virtually and in person on so many youngsters and honestly just an unreal conversation that I am so stoked to get out to you guys. So without further ado, here she is, Rachel Valorelli. How are you handling quarantine though? It's it's killing me. I feel like I don't know what day it is. And then some days I wake up at like the crack of ass at like five and then there's other days where I'm like well it's 11 I slept in today I, it's just it's so odd I don't know I'm like trying to find some sense of normalcy and scheduling but it's just yeah I have the same exact feeling this morning I woke up at 6 30 and thought it was going to be like 11 and I started freaking out because I had people emailing me from work and then yesterday I woke up at like 12 and thought it would have been 8 a.m and didn't realize it was Monday, so we, we had our team meeting an hour later, and yeah. I was just a whole mess, and I think I have been for this whole thing. I mean, this is the first week, and I, I said it on last week's podcast, I was just very open about how, like, I, I was struggling that first week. I had no motivation to do anything. I, like, just literally laid in bed for a week, and now I'm finally starting to get with it, and I think that the big thing for me is, like, been actually getting dressed in the morning. I've been, like, actually like putting on shoes and that really was a game changer for me like figuring out how to do this whole home thing yeah I, I did that yesterday I'm not gonna lie I was one of those people that uh that put on nice clothes and yeah like I, I, came, I came down the stairs and my mom's like why are you wearing jeans and a nice shirt and I was like I just looked her dead in the eye complete straight face and I was like I'm making sure they fit Oh, and, and and she and she started dying, and my mom's like, "So what's your evaluation? Like, do they fit?" And I was like, "Thank God they do. We're okay." And she's like, "Well, that's pretty good because you keep snacking all the time. Like, whenever my mom hears me, I'm like literally opening up the refrigerator or grabbing food or whatever. Like, I graze, and yep. it's it's a it's a little problematic." Uh, my mom's like, "This this stuff needs to last for like three weeks. I'm not going to the grocery store, you know, again for three weeks." one week later she's like there's no food i'm going to the grocery store and i'm like it works um yep. <laughs> but it's uh it's definitely interesting um the whole quarantine kind of stuff but yep i did try on the jeans all, the clothes fit so i was like this is good considering the fact that i have like one good pair of jeans that i'm like yes they're absolutely perfect so um, i had I had the same exact revelation yesterday, actually. Uh, I was I was terrified to put on my clothes. I'm not going to lie. I was like, these are definitely just not going to fit. I feel awful. I have done nothing but eat roast beef sandwiches and drink beer for the last two weeks and eat like Pop-Tarts every morning. <laughs> but apparently the apparently they were the uh, they're the American Eagle stretchy jeans so they they they're a little snug but they're working. <laughs> it's hilarious though. My mom so my mom is Jewish and um it's Passover we're going into here and you're not supposed to eat uh, like bread and stuff during Passover. And so this morning she goes to the grocery store and she's like, "You know what? I think this year we're just going to kind of really be lenient." We're going to eat normal food. <laughs> and I was very much about it. <laughs> yeah. 
we're i i have to say i have been waiting to do this podcast for a long time now and i mean i think i first i i even i brought up the idea with you about coming on before i had even announced the show at laxcon and this is one of the coolest i mean you have one of the coolest stories that i have ever listened to i mean i've obviously now that i've done my research i've listened to podcasts and seen your videos and everything and i mean i think that everyone now kind of has a pretty good understanding of what got you into lacrosse why you do what you do but i I really wanted to give you an opportunity and i wanted to hear you hear it but um just you tell more about yourself i mean there's so much more to rachel valorelli than just lacrosse and i think that that's something that i really want to dive into absolutely i mean that's the whole thing you know why we're doing it right so right so I mean, growing up, I read in the Boston Herald, no big deal, that you also played soccer and softball. Were you kind of heart set on that? I mean, obviously, I read it said that you struggled with uh, like catching and passing when you got into lacrosse early on. But was that something that you struggled with in other sports, just like the hand-eye stuff? Um, it wasn't a lot of like the hand-eye with lacrosse. It was more of like girl sticks at the time for field were tennis rackets where now they're, they're oh, like yeah. they're like these things of beauty now and I'm like I could literally live out like my dream of being an attacker like it, it actually could have been a thing where now I'm like, totally could have and I'm yeah. like okay you know what if I was like what 13 14 now would I be a goalie or would I be an attacker I'm like I I actually don't know um but yeah I, I was a I was a soccer goalie um when I was younger, we had this thing called dad's club, um, which is, you know, I guess you can't probably say that cause it's not like really PC. Um, so now it's more, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like town lacrosse kind of, or, you know, town sports, but we called it dad's club when I was younger. Um, right. in the 90s. I'm, I'm aging myself here, but, um, so we would, we'd do that. And, you know, my dad was my soccer coach up till nine 11. He's a police officer. And after that he had to stop. So, um, I don't know if that kind of like, that probably wasn't the reason why I stopped playing soccer. Like I went into uh, field hockey when I went to uh, private school, at Holy child and my aunt played. So she was like, Oh, you're, you're forget soccer. Like let's play field hockey. And I was like, Oh, cool. I just liked any sport. Like my parents didn't push me into anything. They weren't like, here's, here's this sport you have to play. Like go, go, go. You know, my dad played um, football when he was younger and then he ended up blowing out his knees and his shoulders um not all at the same time but you know (laughs) that would be awful that that would be absolutely terrible so and he still has like lasting effects and stuff from that but he played football my mom swam a little bit my aunt played field hockey and volleyball like um you know that was kind of like the extent of that of you know that stuff but it was never you know you have to it was do you want to and if you want to let's make sure that we're doing everything that we can to put you in a place for success. I'm kind of like going off on a tangent a little bit. I do that. So God bless you for, uh, for, for doing this, but, um, no, no, I'm a listener. Listener first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I played softball a little bit when I was younger too. So my dad thought I'd be a phenomenal pitcher, but more for like baseball. Um, and he used to like drill, we would literally do like drills in the driveway if it wasn't me playing basketball or anything like that. Cause he, he did baseball too. Um, now that I think about it. And so he would just practice with me all the time. And I mean, I remember there were times when I'd literally like scream at my mom and I was like, he keeps hitting me like right in the glove <laughs> and it, and it hurts so bad. And meanwhile, this isn't when I was like 10, this was when I was like six. 
Okay. I'm like really young. You know, we did it for years and he's like, it means you're doing it right. Like you got, and that was the craziest thing. So I think going back even before, like a lot of like the organized sports and stuff, just doing that, like I wanted to do it. And I begged my dad, I was like, let's go practice. Like I want to practice. I want to practice. So that kind of stuff of that will kind of doing it on my own. I mean, it depends like, you know what it is. I mean, you know, like we were saying before, um, I mean, for me in taxes, like, dear God, I don't really want to go do those yet, but um, oh yeah, well, know, but, I guess we didn't we didn't carry that conversation onto the pod, but we can get into it. Oh God, um, no! Oh God, no! <laughs> we were uh, so for the people who weren't in our pre-pod conversation, we were talking about both of our parents just happened to bring up doing taxes on the same day to us, <laughs> and just the avoidance in which we. I mean, I guess anybody who is one just doesn't want to do their independent taxes, but two also now have businesses and such. So there is a uh, a lot that goes into it. And, you know, it's not it's not fun stuff to talk to. So if you want to talk to Rachel about taxes, make sure that you follow her on Instagram and Twitter. DM her. I'm sure she'll want to talk taxes all day long. Oh, God, no. I'm like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't even I'm like, oh, God, I think that they give me refunds for this. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. It's so bad. I I have tax assistance. I'll leave it at that. So yeah, um, my mom, my mom goes, which form did you get a W9 or a W13 or a W something? I was like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but I know it's uh, it's it's too much. We can uh, we can skip the tax conversation. Yeah, no more taxes. But OK, so. It's funny, as you're telling these stories, it's all I can think about is I have a little sister and I did the same thing that your dad did with you playing baseball and stuff in the front yard to her, her whole life. But in a similar way, and this is incredibly just off the cuff, that she was the uh, girl who got drafted into the boys league for baseball when I played when we were like 10, 11, 12. So, I mean, I think that there's something about getting out there and just getting after it at the age of five and it converting into an athletic mind that you take onto any sports field that you might have. And if you're driven to play with, with the dudes, then you should do it. Right. I mean, I think that one of the topics that you probably talk about the most is being a female in a predominantly men's league. And it, I mean, does it ever get old for you? It's well, now that we're in this like holding pattern of absolutely nothing going on lacrosse wise, it's kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. Like I did, I doing this podcast, like I did another one a couple days ago and they're like, well, how, how's it like playing in a men's league? And I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, no one's playing right now. I'm not re- technically I'm like sitting on my ass, according to my mom. I'm actually <laughs> right. doing things, um, you know, but and my mom will say it too. Like if you got her on, she'd literally be like, oh yeah, she does sit on her ass. Like, um, I don't, I just want to clarify to everybody. I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm productive, but you know, um, that's just me. My mom has a whole other vibe, but, uh, it doesn't get old per se. It's just, I guess how I'll frame it is if it's people that I've always been around, you know, they just accept me as like one of the guys, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean, and I, I don't mean that in any way other than like, they don't care in a good way right that I'm a chick like there's so many people that are like oh you know she's a woman whatever and it's like well yeah that's yep that's obvious like okay great next you know um but a a lot of the guys like they just don't they don't mind they're like Rachel can play and I think that's the really cool thing about playing with guys that are accepting and you know what I like I've I've had roadblocks like I've talked about it before on other podcasts too and and you know I've written about it where yeah, it's really tough. Like there are some people that are just, they're like, no thanks. You know, 
no matter, you know, how good, yeah, we just, we just don't want a girl on the team, you know, And, and it's kind of funny, like, there's still, at least I think it's humorous, right? There's still people that are like, yeah, no, and then they'll go take somebody that isn't all that accomplished. And I don't mean like in awards or things like that. Like, I just mean talent. Right. Um, right. And being able to like, see the ball, stop the ball, have that reaction time, like read and react as Dylan Ward says, like, you know, and every other goalie on the face of the planet, pretty much like, you know, that that's the way I want to be viewed is like, Hey, here's Rachel. And she makes a ton of saves and she's really, really good. And, and that's the difference between, you know, I don't want people being like, Oh, well, she's a girl. That's why she got something or whatever. Like, um, I think it's the the commercial for like the Microsoft Surface for the NFL, right? For like mm-hmm. eight yep. hours, and she's like, I don't want to be the token female, and I think that that's the, the same thing for me. Like, I don't want people being like, oh, well, look at like you know, here's the token female. It's not really what it's about. It's like I'm good enough to be here, so I'm here, and I and I think that that's at the end of the day, what's extremely important is okay, she's really accomplished in what she does same thing like with the women's soccer and equal pay and and all that kind of stuff and I don't know a ton about it so I don't really feel like I'm knowledgeable in a sense that I can have a full-blown conversation on it but just in the same exact sense of like they're really good and you know on paper they're better than the guys and I'm not saying physically they're not either that's not the point um but you know do they deserve to be paid equally and that's that's the kind of stuff it's like not just pay but it's also looking at like you and your talent essentially and Mm -hmm. where you fit so I guess you know for me it doesn't really get old I think it just sometimes with different people it's you know they just see it as oh it's that girl that got something and that's what really bothers me And, and I don't say really bothers in like a way that I'm like harping on it for days I just think about it for a second I'm like okay that's the way it's gonna be you know, and I've learned to have a thicker skin about it. Cause if I went about it and was like, Oh, that guy said something extremely inappropriate that I'm not going to repeat. And I even like cringed at repeating it to my family, right? Like mom, dad, aunt, grandma, that kind of stuff. Um, right. We all live, we all live together. So it's like animal house. It's a little ridiculous. Plus we have four dogs. So it's literally animal even house. better. <laughs> um, but that, and that's the kind of stuff like, you know, I just look at it almost like a, like a pride thing. Like, okay, well, you know what, if they make a comment that, you know, I made saves or whatever, and they're going to, you know, say some things again, I just, I just won't repeat. Um, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing my job if he's that mad. And I'm like, but you know what, Herm too, like, I think there's stuff where, you know, maybe there's a couple screws loose for me. Or there probably are, to be completely honest <laughs> with you. Um, but my mom would definitely say there's a lot loose. Um, but that's, you know, at, at the end of the day, I just kind of look at it and I'm like, all right, well, if that's the way somebody wants to be, so be it, you know, even looking to play on like, you know, some teams and stuff. And again, that kind of stuff, it'll all remain anonymous. Like I'm not going to bring it up or anything because overall the whole lacrosse community is fabulous, especially box lacrosse. Um, everybody's really welcoming. They're fabulous people and not that field isn't, I just think it's, it's a different vibe with box lacrosse and I can't, I've never really been able to kind of like put my finger on it and be like, that's why we're different. Um, but I just think it's a whole different aspect of family. Like field is there, but I just think box lacrosse, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, cause it's guys versus girls stuff. I don't, I don't know. I don't get too involved with it, but um, you know, there, there are times and stuff where, you know, there's people that are like, yeah, no pass. And then they'll go take somebody that's never played before as a goalie. And I'm like, that's hysterical. Right. Um you know, but and I don't mean it like comical. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like I, I say, I say these things too, like with a grain of salt, like 
there are probably some people that will listen to it and be like, oh my God, she sounds like a complete asshole. Like I'm going to turn the podcast off. And and I think, you know, there's a, there's a certain extent too of, you know, I, I've also learned, I kind of have to put, like, I, I hate doing, like I, I do all like the, the drill of the day videos and stuff um, up on my Instagram page and, and go through that, that kind of stuff, you know, especially cause we're in quarantine and I'm not somebody to go and do that. Like it takes a lot for me to go and, and do all these things like the interview I did with uh, with Devin Caney and you know the NLL team I freaked out probably we planned that I don't know maybe like a month and a half before it happened kind of a thing and I was freaking out for that amount of time not just in cleaning the house freaking out of like oh my god everything has to be <laughs> perfect because um, I mean that was definitely interesting I really wish I filmed a lot of that that would have been some quality entertainment during quarantine time but um for me to go and and do those kinds of things like I don't want to make it about me and that and that's the thing even though it it literally just sounds like all this like spewing out of my mouth is like me 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 like listen to Rachel yada 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 for me the, the the big thing is inspiring the future and as corny as that sounds right like if I I, I think like Nick Sakevich said it in a tweet or something um it's either like a tweet or a Facebook post or something like that Go, going on about like me, I'm, like I'm good for the sport and like that kind of stuff. And I, and I look at it, like, I don't think it's just physically me. Like, I think you could take me out of it and put any, you know, young girl on Long Island or anywhere really. It doesn't need to be Long Island. Um, I'm not from, you know, the, the Island or anything like that, but I know there's some female box goalies down there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you could replace me with her right and be like she's really good for the sport and I think that that's something that was really cool that I look at and my whole thing is like it's not about me getting to the NLL or you know like a dream of mine is to play on the U.S. team both for women's field and men's box and essentially be the female version of Dylan Ward um Mm -hmm. and which I think it's even funnier because he actually dates a former teammate of mine um so I think it's at UMass so I I think it's like even funnier um you have any good world stories for us I do not. Kid. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know him personally. Um, but yeah, I just I was you know close to one of my my old teammates and stuff. That uh, she it's actually really funny. She's like she's about or like around five feet, maybe a little bit like you know like oh, wow. around there. So it's I just find it absolutely hysterical that like she dates somebody that's like over six feet tall. It's, yeah, um, he's he's like my height, probably closer to six three. I know, which by going off of like when I met you too, I didn't realize that you were that tall. And I was like, Jesus, why is everybody so much taller than me? I'm like, I'm so tiny. <laughs> yeah, I get that one a lot. I guess apparently in videos, I look like I'm closer to 5'11", five, maybe something along those lines. But, you know, it it's one of the characteristics that helps uh, when I'm like playing the field or whatever, <laughs> but you, you, you did bring up some, um, you brought up a lot of really great things there. One, I cannot believe that we are now 20 minutes into this podcast and I haven't wished you a happy birthday. So first things first, happy freaking birthday. Um, Thank you. It's gotta be a little bit different in quarantine. I'm sure. Um, I don't think, I don't think anybody who would could plan that would uh, wish that upon you, but happy birthday that's awesome but i want to uh get back you said (laughs) it was funny when you said that somebody's probably turning off the podcast because you were kind of talking about how the the differences between field and box players but i think that's actually what draws a lot of people in and it's because and one of the reasons is because it's the same argument that i make 
pretty often is that I I have a connection with the Bach community that I will never have with the field community. And I think it's a really interesting one. And I feel as though, and this might be completely out of context and you don't have to actually respond because you actually have a career to uphold in this field. But I just think that the box community is much more understanding of the game of lacrosse and the actual like way that it's been presented over the years and the appreciation for it, where a lot of the stereotypes that come out of lacrosse come through the field game and the prep schools and stuff like that, that people still struggle with to this day. And I I think that was a big thing for me, I think. And I mean, on last week's podcast, and this really threw Javier off, was that I said that a lot of people fake, fake, like um, we were talking about racial diversity and stuff like that. But I think that a lot of people fake understanding of the importance of lacrosse and diversity and stuff like that. But I think that that happens more, far more often in the field game as opposed to the box game. So if someone wants to come at my throat, fine, so be it. But I think that that was, I, I don't know if I verbalized how you feel, but that's how I feel about it. No, I, I, I get that. I'm like, I'm processing what you're saying. I think something to somebody that plays box. So I don't know if you guys listening or lacrosse people or not, but um, the box is played in a hockey rink, essentially with no ice. I had somebody ask me if I wore skates. I'm not that coordinated. So the answer <laughs> that is no. would be amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh and it's essentially like hockey with lacrosse sticks in a, in a in an arena, like it, which I think is really cool. And not that I don't like field, I don't know box. You just see like I'm a goalie for both, so I see, I can see a hundred plus shots in a box game. Where in field, in the same exact amount of time, I'll maybe see twenty. Um, right. and, and that goes to the men's game too, because I've played men's field as well. Um, more like summer league stuff. I'm not saying I'm like MLL material or anything like that, you know, but I don't mind like hopping in for the guy stuff. And it's the same thing. Maybe I'll see maybe 10 more shots than I would in a, in a women's game, you know, depending. Um, but boxes, what's cool about boxes, you, you can get so many different kinds of people to play. So I think right. you, you look at, there's, um, there, there's a couple people that played football in college and they go and they play and they're successful and they've been on national teams. You have people that play ice hockey and play lacrosse. And, you know, when hockey's done, they're like, well, what do I do? Like pick up hockey, you know, to a lot of people, it's just not the same. Um, I didn't play hockey. So again, not really qualified to like comment more on that topic, but they turned to box. Like all these people that have played other sports turned to box lacrosse because it's so relatable to other sports where lacrosse, it's like, you know, yes, it's relatable to basketball and, and, and this kind of stuff and soccer with movement and, and all these things, but, but box, you, you really get that array of an athlete. And again, not that you don't in field, but I think that the speed and the way the box is played, you can have so many different talented people that played other sports and find success in box across, whether it's, you know, playing pickup, um, playing in the Boston box league, like, you know, all these kinds of things. It's, there's so many different ways to look at it, but I think that just that diversity, not talking about, you know, then I, I don't want to say like the, the way that we speak about diversity, like, you know, as a, as people, but I think just diversity and like what people do, you know, box is really that, that difference where field it's like you get the, I play basketball or I played soccer. A lot of people actually don't even really play other sports anymore, which I find interesting as I coach. They're like, oh, it's, heart, it's heartbreaking. It, it's tough. And, and, and looking at that, it, it really helps with movements. Like, I don't think lacrosse, 
would have, you know, been as successful for me if it wasn't for basketball. Like there were things mm-hmm. that I, I picked up because I play hoops. Um, you know, there's things with being a box goalie that, you know, I picked up because I love watching Henrik Lundqvist play and I love the New York Rangers. Right. So there's stuff like that where, you know, yeah, I always wanted to play ice hockey and, but I played, you know, lacrosse. Okay. Well, box is like the perfect in between. And I think that's the other thing too. Like some people are like, Oh, I wanted to play hockey, kind of play lacrosse. Hey, look at, you know, box is a, is a great fit. Um, or you see people that play both, you know? So I, I think that that's, I don't know. That's my kind of take on the whole box thing. And yeah, you know, I, no, I had I a couldn't conversation. Agree more. Yeah. And, and I had a conversation with the, the founder of the IBLA and, I was actually, I was talking to him. I was like, can you figure out like, what is the difference? And what he says about box and like box versus field is something I've never really thought of, but it's so blatant that I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense. You know, for field lacrosse now, unless you play at a high level and even then, so you still don't really have access to locker rooms like box, you're in a locker room all together before you play, no matter where you're playing pretty much. I mean, I'll Mm -hmm. go and play minus, I mean, the Boston box place is a little hard, but I like, there's like a little area with cubbies. I'm really bad at explaining things. Um, and there's like a room off to the side. So it's like kind of a like faux locker room. Um, but you're always in a locker room with the guys before. Like you're, you, and you get that sense of like team unity, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you don't get that mm-hmm. field, but it's this whole different feel um, where you go play field lacrosse now, it's like everybody rolls up at a different time. You like throw your stuff on and it's just like, yeah, okay, here we are. You know, box is a little bit, it's, it's just that like, it's just a different vibe. I don't know. Maybe it. No. Yeah. That's actually so smart. I, I honestly never thought about that until right now, but you're, you're so, you hit it right on the head. It's like all of my buddies that I would look back to and think about like who I, generated the best connections with were the dudes who I played with and we had like that locker room bond. It's something that, I mean, everyone says it, it's, you don't miss the actual sport. Sometimes you just miss the guys that you played with or the locker room and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, so many of these leagues, it's like you just show up, you don't even know your team half the time because you don't practice together anymore. It's just for showing yourself off. And I think that's kind of one of the drawbacks of some of this growth in travel sport. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And and I look at that too. And I mean, I'm a the director for the girls' side of Team 91 Tri-State. And so, it's, you know, like New York, Connecticut, New Jersey-ish kind of area, um, but really more like Westchester County, New York, and Fairfield County, Connecticut. And mm-hmm. my boss, Mike Boslett, was like, you got to bring the tent with you to the tournament. And I'm like, oh, God, it's freezing cold. Like, nobody, like, I don't think people are going to use the tent. It's like five degrees outside, Mike. And he's like, bring the tent. And now I look back at, like, the conversation. And now all of a sudden, like, you know, people say, that, like, the light bulb goes off. I'm like, oh, that's the that's the club scene version of the locker room. It's the tent. Right. Like, it's, as silly as that sounds, maybe I don't, I didn't even envision myself bringing that up on this conversation. But I was like, oh, man, like, that makes sense. You know, it, it's tough for field. Like, I, I play for New York Athletic Club. It's absolutely amazing like love being a part of the team the group like just the whole organization there's so many olympians and everything that that play for the club um it's ridiculous and just like represent the club i I, you don't play track and field um again i'm not a runner so i'm not really i I don't think that play track and field is the right term um Mm -hmm. participate yeah there we go um and just the the amount of of olympians that are represented it's just it's like it's jaw dropping. It's ridiculous. Um, 
but even that too, like we, we go play college teams and, you know, some of us take the bus from the city, but since I'm outside, I always end up driving myself. And I, I really miss, like, I'll go play box one weekend and then go play for Nyack for field. And the vibe is so different because it's like you miss the locker room and the hanging out with everybody before the game. Like, it's just more like warm up, you hang out a little bit and then you play where like box right. is like everybody, everybody's got to get their stuff on. Like it's this whole different process, I guess. So Right. For, for me too, it's like for when I'm getting ready, I, I mean, I don't only play bo- men's league anymore, but I guess I still get a little fired up for it. For you, you're a goalie. You have to have the adrenaline both inside out box field whatever for me it's like when i'm going into a box game i have to kind of work up a certain level of adrenaline just to get back on the floor so that i'm like okay i can like get beat up tonight and i'm chill with it when i'm getting ready for like a men's league outdoor game i roll up probably have six beers in my bag and i'm down to just hang out by the crease and really not do much all night and not really get hit either and i think that there's a certain level of that that gets brought into allowing myself to both create bonds with other people then through that field and whatever we're playing, but just overall lacrosse in general. And that, that is actually so brilliant. I have really never thought about that I mean, I've thought about locker room scenes and everything like that plenty of times, but this, the, the idea of the difference between box and field is truly remarkable. I mean, I, I can't, again, I can't take credit. Um, for that one but it, that again light bulb went off and I was like oh damn that that really that explains like I, I want to say a good amount of it probably it's just it's a whole different vibe now I want to bring it back a little bit more because I always do this I always pull you up to like modern day and then I bring you back for some reason so you grow up in New York what drew you to UMass outside of lacrosse of course but being in Massachusetts and really getting connected with that scene and I mean, it's a gorgeous campus and I've been there plenty of times. So I'm sure that was a big draw for you. Absolutely. My, uh, my college coach, uh, Angela McMahon calls it the concrete jungle. Um, cause there's parts <laughs> yeah, of it, it kind of is. Right, there's, there's, there's parts of it that look like a botanical garden. And then there's other parts of it that like, look like the streets in New York city. It's just, it's not that New York's not beautiful. I mean, I live in it, but like, so I just, I, I'll start there. Um, but what drew me to it? So I went to the Monty camp. My what was it? Going into my sophomore year, or going into my going into my sophomore year in high school. So at this point, I've been playing for three three years. Um, I have to think about that for a little bit. And at this point, my mom was like, "Okay, we need to get her going to a camp." My mom's like, "I, I can't stand watching you play." and not get better. Like you want to get better. And I was like, yeah, no, I want to get better. Like, again, I go back to my mom, never forced me to like do anything. I didn't want to other than like taxes, clean my room, like that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, you know, so, so those kinds of things. And she was like, Hey, like this coach has won, you know, I think at that time, Northwestern had won. If anybody that played Northwestern, they're going to like, uh, was it? I think they won four in a row at that time, four or five in a row championships. And my mom's like, the coaches won like X amount of national championships. Is that good enough? And there's a goalie school. And I was like, I, I think so. And at that point I didn't even know, like this is going to make, make me sound so terrible, but I was like a national championship. And I was like, I mean, that sounds big deal, but you know, we weren't like the sporting family 
just to right. kind of like, you know, give a preference. Like, like my dad played, like he was big into sports. Like my mom did a little bit, my aunt played, but it wasn't like, let's watch college football on the weekends. Like that just, it wasn't, that's not what happened. And, you know, my dad's like, oh my God, like, that's amazing. Like sent her to camp. He was like, so excited. And I was like, okay, all right. That's, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds legit. Fast forward a little bit. There was a goalie school and the coach that ran it was Alexis Venenciano, who um, at that time was the head coach at UMass. And she's from Yorktown, New York, which I'm from Hartsdale. So anybody that knows it's Hudson Valley region. So I'm about 35 minutes from Yorktown, give or take. Um, so we're essentially like, you know, cut from the same cloth, people from the same area, that kind of thing. So that was really exciting. And the goalies, like you always had college goalies and stuff that helped out. One of the goalies was from UMass. Another one was from Northwestern, that kind of stuff. Um, and the coaches that were there at the camp were the UMass coach, which at the time was Lex. The UConn coach, was, which at the time was Angela, who ended up being my college coach at UMass. And then, and Northwestern, obviously. There we go. See, of course, the Amante camp. So like Kelly was there, obviously. Um, right. So we got, so we got those. And, you know, we were just like, people were discussing the recruiting process, all this kind of stuff. And one of the field players who was a sophomore was like committed to Northwestern. I was like, but you can't start talking to them until you're a junior. Like, it, so to me, it made like absolutely no sense. And I don't think I've ever like publicly told the story before. Um, so I went up to the coach after like, you know, some of the camp happened and, you know, I was talking to Lex and she was like, you know, are you looking to play in college? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. We were just having some small talk. And I told her that I absolutely loved UMass. Meanwhile, I never saw the college campus at all. Never saw it. Never was there. I was like, I didn't know what it was. Okay. Actually, I did say this in my like little graduation speech at UMass um, that we did in like a restaurant or whatever, because we were at NCAA. So we actually missed our legit graduation. Um, oh, geez. Uh, it's, it, but you know what? It's, it's all good though. Push it's like, pull, right? I, it's kind of cool because UMass is so big that being able to be in a small group with like 35 people and your, you know, your parents and that kind of stuff, it, it made it a, a cooler experience versus so like, true. Yeah. yeah, being in a giant football field with like 30,000 other people. So for me, I was like, I flat out just told her I love the school. And my mom's like, thank God she didn't ask you any questions about the place. I mean, I just had, I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I winged it. And, you know, going back, it's it's kind of interesting too, like to see we would talk about um, when we had like our little like goalie group and that kind of stuff. And we'd break off at camp, the current UMass, like the goalie at the time, Katie Florence was like, everyone called her flow. And she's like, I'm a sport management major. And I was like, okay, can you like, what, what's that about? And she discussed, it was like, it was sports and like marketing and, and all those kinds of things. And it's in the business school at UMass and it's one of the best in the country. And I was like, that is so cool. And from then I was like, I want to go to UMass because the goalie was awesome. I was like, Flo was so chill. Right. And she still is to this day. She's, she's nuts. Um, and I was like, sport management, that sounds awesome. Um, because I've always had like a, like a knack, I guess, for business a little bit, but being able to tie sports in once I kind of realized that was the avenue that I wanted to go, um, as I got older, it really just kind of brought it all together. Uh, which was a really kind of cool kind of a thing. But um, going back to that camp too, it's, it's interesting. That was the first non-participation award. And I won't go on to a rant about participation trophies or anything like that, but 
um, that was like the not the first non-participation <laughs> award that I got um, for being like the best goalie at camp. And and from then on, I actually kind of realized my mom was like, if she got recognized by a college coach, like she's like, maybe I shouldn't read too much into it, but maybe she actually has a future with this thing. And that was that was kind of like a really cool aha moment, like looking back um, and seeing that I was like, damn, it, like it really opened up kind of door, like doors and stuff like that I was like okay so a little bit sidetracked but yeah I went to UMass and what kind of drew, like drew me to it was the people um you know there's a lot of people that were like oh this place is awesome but it's really about the people in the place yeah not that like beautiful places and things like that aren't about like the physical place but you know the people made it that way I guess so but it's, it's always been about you know the people that are there uh so for me that group flow was a freshman at that time um, so she was a senior when I was a freshman at UMass and that was a really cool experience being able to like play under her and stuff like that and really have a tie to the program. So that, that was, it was a really, it was kind of cool. And, you know, Angela at UConn, she was the first person to send me a note. What was it? September 1st of my junior year. So yeah. that was, that was really cool. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit, she ended up taking the UMass job, which I thought was really cool. So like I, uh, I went to Northwestern camp because I just, I absolutely loved it. And then I ended up working the camps for years too. And, you know, UConn, I kept emailing UConn, but they're like, we have a goalie, but we really like you, like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I had no idea what that meant. And my mom's like, I have no idea. Like she, we look back at my recruiting process and it was like the blinds leading the blind. Like, yep. it, it, oh my God, yes. just like no, zero clue. Right. And so that's why I like, you know, side note for my business and stuff like that. That's why I go so deep, like with the recruiting process and being able to help kids out because I don't know, I had like no idea. My mom had no idea, but now I'm like, because I had no idea, I physically went through like what you shouldn't, shouldn't do kind of a thing, but you know, less plugging, you know, my business more like on my story and stuff like that. So um, I'm at the end of this Northwestern camp and I spoke, you know, my parents always brought me up. You say, please, thank you. Even if you wait for a while, you just make sure everybody knows that you say, you know, thank you so much, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I went up to go and say thank you to Angela. And she's like, you're coming to camp, right? And it was two days later. So we literally, this was a crazy summer where I went from like camp to camp to camp and like all these mm -hmm. different events. So got home from Northwestern and threw all of the clothes into the washer machine, put them back into the suitcase and like drove the next day to go to camp. Like it just ridiculous story. But she's like, you're going to camp, right? And I was like, oh, I think so. I was like, I know my mom registered me or something like that. Meanwhile, like my mom had to end up registering me like right away. And she's like, I still just don't understand why she has a goalie, like, you know, in the grade above me, you know, I don't get why she wants Rachel to go, but whatever, like, we'll just, we'll send her. She said she's interested and we'll fast forward to the end of camp. Her family car is in the front of us and it had Massachusetts plates on it. And at this point, um, Alexis Venichanos left UMass and I believe she was named the head, she was named the head coach at Ohio state at this point. This was my junior summer that this happened. And my dad's like, she's going to take the UMass job. And I was like, dad, I, I like, I, I don't think so. You're like, way off there's no way next day <laughs> Angela McMahon head coach at UMass and you know to a lot of people I guess I kind of I kind of missed the most important chunk of this story um because for a lot of people you're probably like 
oh, okay, well, you were interested in UMass the whole time and like the coach liked you. So, you know, that kind of stuff. There was a tournament that I played in after. So yeah, it must've been, it was my junior year. There was a tournament that I played in in November and it was this big one down in Maryland. I forget what it was called. Absolutely freezing. Um, and I was sick, ended up finding out that I had walking pneumonia after oh the tournament God. happened. But, but the whole thing for me was like, I was like extremely hard headed. I'm a little bit better now. Um, my aunt still thinks I'm hard headed, but still like, I was like, okay, I have to go. I have to play and I have to be at 125% at all times. I have to do it. And I look up in the stands and Acacia Walker, we're going back a little bit because for lacrosse people. She's the head coach at BC now, but she was the associate head coach at UMass. She watched me play, and I went from being, you know, top of the list for UMass to under under Lex to not being on the list at all. And I don't think I've ever actually openly talked about it. So, um, especially for the world to hear. So, um, I was end up being like off of UMass's radar completely. So, I had my my goalie coach um, through club at the time, you know. I didn't hear back from UMass at all. And I was just like, can you reach out to them? And she told me that they weren't really interested anymore. And they felt really bad. Like, you know, Lex was like, oh, we're like, you know, hometown people, but, you know, you didn't really perform. And I was off of the list. And my coach, the way that she framed it was like, it was like a bad breakup. Like I saw Maroon, I started to cry. Like, I kid you not, it was really bad. Uh, And my mom was like, my mom was like, Oh my God, can you get over yourself? Like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I just don't get it. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a whiny child, but you know, it was, uh, it was so weird. And I just didn't get it. Cause I thought that that, you know, again, I'll go back to the whole recruiting process thing. Like, you know, when you're like the number one goalie, I was like, okay, great. And my mom's like, that's wonderful. But now what, like, what does that mean? You know? And I mm-hmm. played, I didn't play well. And I ended up being off their radar, but again, I'll go back to UConn and, and Angela, like, had that consistent, you know, reaching out, even though they had another goalie, all this kind of stuff. And there were other schools that I looked at and um, I love Northwestern as well and that kind of stuff. And, you know, when UMass didn't happen originally, my club coach was like, okay, I think we need to start looking at some D3s. And I, I looked at her and I was like, I'm going to go to Northwestern. Now, obviously, right. You all know at this point, I did not go to Northwestern. I ended up going to UMass, but I think that's the kind of stuff of like that drive, right? That's always been there. And people called me crazy. They're like, you really need to look at D3. It's like, you know, I've, I had people um, that told me you will never be a D1 goalie. You are D3 material and you'll probably sit the bench. Um, And that to me, I was like, I just kind of took it. And I guess the same way that I look at like how guys, you know, some people are like, they go and they'll take the, the kid that's never played before or anything like that from men's box. And I just kind of take it. And I was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, well, you know what? I'll prove you wrong. And I don't mean to say that in like a, in a rude way or I'm better or anything like that. But that was just always been my mentality of, if you tell me no, I'm going to fight like a bull and tell you that I can. And that was something that's, you know, I think it stuck, stuck with me for a while. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that like, it's interesting. I've never really kind of like talked about it going back. So you're, you're making me do that. I, well, I mean, I guess you're not making me per se, but like you, you probed. So I'll chat. Um, no, that was amazing. But, Holy yeah. crap. I mean, you perfectly and quite elegantly just described the recruiting process in, in a very blunt way that I think a lot of people need to hear because you always read about the kids who 
commit that sophomore year or whatever before the coaches technically are even allowed to talk to them. And they make it the whole process sound like it's this easy one, this, this breeze that you just commit one day and then three years later you're in your college. But at the end of the day, it's not for most people. And it's more like your situation where you, you're not the only factor here, right? I mean, when you think about getting recruited, you're, you're trying to find your right school, but coaches are always moving. Players are always transferring. And it's, it's this board game that truly has no rules. It's limitless. And coaches, I was once in a recruiting meeting and the coach described it to me as the he's constantly fishing for bass and what if he can find a bigger bass than me he's not afraid to get rid of me and i was like okay man so then uh this i guess just isn't the place for me because if you're willing to let me go then i'm willing to let you go and it's it's truly i mean to put a high school junior sophomore senior whatever age you are and their parents through that process is hell (laughs) and that's the only way to put it yeah and i think going off of that too. One, I've never heard that analogy and I don't fish. Um, but I think that does kind of make sense. And I'm a college coach and I've, I, I, I think that's why I struggle with the recruiting side from a coach perspective, because I don't, I don't want to say you get like attached to a kid, but for me, I always care about like where you came from, how you're doing, like you as a person, not just you lacrosse player sitting in front of me. And I'm not saying other coaches aren't that way either. So that for me, it's like a little bit of a hard pill to swallow when you tell a kid no. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's, that's a really good way to kind of put it. And I'm not saying it's good in any means, but the analogy is pretty, I think it's spot on. And, And I'm a fan that lacrosse now you can't have any you know communication till you know june that junior year i think that's so much better um and it it helps i mean there are things like i didn't know about the process other people don't know about the process you know that you go through it and i I think it's so tough but there's always there's also you know going along with the fishing thing there's so many fish in the sea that you have to Mm -hmm. find you know you have to find what works so one of the most interesting things when i Cause I had, I ended up having like a, you know, a relationship with Lex and and all this kind of stuff and, you know, it's friends and and things of that nature. And I called her actually, you know, uh, to tell her that I committed to UMass and and long story short, you know, I actually ended up opening up to her that that day that Acacia saw me, I had pneumonia and she's like, why didn't you? And and she's like, why didn't you say something? And I was like, but that's like falling on the sword. Right. And she was like, oh, my God, you know, and, and that's kind of the thing of, you know, now I'm like, OK, you got to like reach out for help and, and, and those kinds of things and not make excuses. But, you know, at the end of the day, she's like, you didn't say anything. And I was like, I didn't perform hands down like you don't make excuses. And she was just like, my God, Rachel, like she's like, next time, maybe, you know, say something, but like, don't change in that sense. And, you know, it's. I think the, the like the process in general and just like the story I had specifically, like everyone has a different, a different route that they take with recruiting or the way things go. And, you know, I, I think for me, like I started, you know, later in the game um, because, you know, my, me and my family, like or my family and I, sorry, I'm not proper English. Um, no, we okay. weren't, you know, we weren't aware um, and anything like my dad would say, he's like, the recruiting process changed from when he was in high school. Not like he was really looking to play in college anyway, but you know, if some of his buddies were going through it, he's like, I'm not knowledgeable. You know, he went to, to college in the seventies, you know? So for him, like seventies, eighties. So for yeah. him, he's like, I can't really, he's like, I can't comment on this. 
and there wasn't any like site or anything like that until like I'll, I'll put a plug in here um they used to be called lacrosse recruits now they're sports recruits um but the two guys that founded that in their garage um in connecticut ended up like you know my mom found them through some tournament or something and they're like oh rachel has to get a profile up online like this will really help her with the recruiting process all this kind of stuff and my recruit like just the, the people being able to get that exposure you know again i went through the recruiting process by the way back when like game film and highlights were also sent via dvd because coaches wanted it all right so again i'm oh, aging yeah. myself here i graduated in 2011 but people you know that that was the thing like you sent it via dvd if they asked you know if they didn't want to do things online like i'm aging myself a little bit but like going back and looking at those things like they were they were extremely helpful to not only me but my mom and then my mom could help me with the process. And I think that that's, you know, the kind of stuff I look at and like that goodwill, you know, they, they went above and beyond. They didn't need to do what they did, but they did anyway. Um, and my profile's still online. So they all get a laugh at that in the office. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's funny. I use them for my own business now too. And they're like, Oh, Hey, Rachel, look at that. Look at you. And I was like, yeah, please. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's pretty comical, but I th- like the process, just everything. I mean, my story was so weird. Like I ended up committing to UMass after I was rostered on the USU 19 team, which is really wow, weird. So, so Yeah. It was totally backwards. Yeah. So I committed. And again, this sounds probably almost kind of sort of normal now, but it's not. Um, well, no, actually I'll, I'll retract that statement, especially back then. I committed August, I want to say, I have an exact date somewhere, um, but it was between August 1st and August, I want to say, 18th of going into my senior year, which is really crazy to think about because that's yeah. like, that's almost unheard of now. You don't, right, right, right. like people, people don't commit like that, that late, but that was where, um, and I wasn't even home. I was at, my aunt used to, she was bi-coastal, so she would work in, um, in like Cupertino, California for Intuit, they do like talking about taxes. I said, I wouldn't mention it, but here I am. They do like QuickBooks and Quicken and all that kind of stuff. So she was high up marketing. So I was at her apartment with her friend and I ended up committing to UMass then. And like, I actually, when Angela called me to give me an offer, I told her I had to sit on it for a couple of days. And I was like, oh my God, is this going to like get torn out from under me? And I called her and I was like, I literally go, and it's Rachel. And she's like, how are you? And I was like, yes. And she's like, yes, what? I'm getting coffee. Like, what are you saying yes to? And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, I'll play for you. And she's like, all right, great. Rachel, hold on. You know what? She's like, we're going to have to talk at another time. My coffee just came out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, and I'm probably like, you know, and, and I will never forget that to this day. Cause I'm like, Oh my God. Like, okay. And I was like, but you know what? If she likes coffee. I was like, I'm like coffee addict. It's perfect. So, you know, and my aunt's like, what did she say? Like, how'd the call go? And I was like, she's really excited, but her coffee came. So she had to hang up the phone. She's like, I'm so excited, but like my, my chai latte is ready. I'm at Starbucks. I'll call you back later. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love that though. And I think that, I think that's so much of it too. Well, one, I want to get back to the DVD thing for just one second. Think about how much more effort you had to put into getting recruited though when you had to send out a DVD. Because I mean, I only experienced that probably five times that a coach wanted an actual hard copy, but I could just spam every other college coach's email all day long with my videos and anything I wanted to send them. And I think that that really changed the recruiting game. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, Herm, if you'd like one of my DVDs, I have a pile of like 20 of them downstairs. So, um, well, I'd, be, point, I'd be lying if I said I didn't stalk you on the <laughs> interwebs and already find all of these videos. Oh, and, my God. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> I have to do my <laughs> research for these shows, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't help but say this. And you can take this as a compliment or you could punch me in the face the next time you see me, whatever you want. But all I can think when I watch you play is Blaze Reardon. I don't know if you've like ever talked to him about it, but you guys are literally the same outdoor goalie, like to a T. And I would watch a competition between you two. Like someone takes like 10 shots on each of you because I think it would be pretty damn close. That's a, you know what? I've never heard that before. I've had um, people up in Placid. Like that's always like the family vacation for the year. As my mom says, we can't escape lacrosse no matter what it is, whether it's me talking at the kitchen table, um, which she really just wants to get me a muzzle and some earplugs for herself. <laughs> so she doesn't need to hear me anymore. Um, but social distancing helps because I'm in the dining room with my grandmother and then my parents are in the kitchen and my aunt's on like her side of the house. So my mom can't really hear me talk about lacrosse, which is great. But uh, I've been like parent, some like guy, I forget who it was. Um, went up to my dad and was like, she like she plays like John Galloway. And I was like, oh, oh okay. yes, that's a great comparison, too. Yes, yes. So like that just... was he was he was somebody I watched when I when I uh, when I was younger um, in high school. I remember like watching men's lacrosse. And again, I love women's lacrosse. But if we go back to when I was in high school from what, 2008 to 2011, women's games were rarely on and if they were it wasn't really good quality so I'm not bashing mm. women's lacrosse um in any way shape or form but I grew up I guess in in playing lacrosse terms of growing up watching men's goalies so like for me it was John Galloway um Scotty Rogers like I know he's a lefty but he would cover up on crease rolls um that it would end up being on that right side as a lefty, he'd cover that, like that little right corner, that little sliver. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that on the left side and it worked like for me, I'd take my right, my right hand and like play it up a little bit higher and then come over to cover that, like that little left corner and people would still shoot there. That was the funniest part. And they're like, I don't get how she got her stick there that fast. And coaches are like, are you serious? Like, like <laughs> look at her, look at her, her stick's already there. Um, so that was something like I watched, you know, him, and I took that. I also used it for eight meters, which was really, really sick. So like that worked out really, really well for me in dating. Women's goalies, like I, if I went to a final four, that's what, that's who the inspiration was. Like I, I found um, going back to Northwestern. Um, so like I would watch uh, Brienne Lamonto. Everybody knows her as Breezy. Um, she's actually, mm -hmm. you know, uh, she's a nurse now in, uh, I believe it's in Massachusetts. She'll like shoot me if she hears this and doesn't know this, like doesn't, you know, like get we should be like come on ray ray like figure it out um but you know she's actually a nurse now like you know kicking butt taking names all that kind of stuff she's doing great um but i would watch her play and it was really funny like i would wear after i committed to umass i wore all my umass stuff and i went and i saw her play in the final four and literally every i'm in like the northwestern section because my dad like somehow had like a friend of a friend or whatever so like i was sitting in like a sea of purple in maroon um <laughs> and everybody like you know, I would scream when Breezy made a save and everybody would turn around and be like, who the hell is that? Um, but so she was always somebody that was extremely entertaining. Like what I loved about her and her game is she made these like big time saves. You know, she, she actually self-described it too, you know, to me, 
it's like Rachel, like, you know, it's not about how many saves you make. Like, it's great if you make 80 saves in a game or whatever. Like, obviously that's not, not good, you know, double negative, but, um, right. right. You know, she's like, obviously that's wonderful, but it's, it's when you make the saves, you know? So like, I look back, there were games that I had like three saves and two goals against my senior year at UMass and like everybody, people would probably like turn their nose up like three saves. Okay. But like, we didn't allow a lot of, like there weren't a lot of opportunities, right. Or, or those kinds of things. Oh, she had eight saves and like four goals against or whatever. Oh, well, eight saves isn't a lot, but it's when you make the save too. Um, right. And that's something, that's something that like she taught me because she ended up being my coach for three years, which was a really cool experience and like slightly kind of funny because I knew her from working camps and like actually cheering for her at final fours. And I'm like, well, this is kind of like awkward, but cool but wonderful all at the same time. It was just a weird little combo. So I watched her play in person. And then somebody I watched through YouTube videos, um, long story short, kind of funny, ended up watching her in person once when I was in middle school playing lacrosse because she played at Hackley, which is a rival private school. If anybody's from Westchester County, New York, um, Hackley is a rival school of Holy Child. And so I ended up watching her play and everyone's like, oh my God, she's going to play lacrosse at Northwestern. And I was like, okay and <laughs> and i so i watched her play like youtube videos because back then northwestern would do these like highlights and i guess it was kind of unprecedented especially for women's lacrosse but they would produce and i believe a girl on the team actually did them and they would make like highlight films for each year which was really cool but it was the way i got exposed to like top level women's lacrosse because again games weren't really all that accessible um and so for me, I would like, I'd watch her through YouTube clips and I was like, I'm going to play exactly like her. I go back in time a little bit. And it's kind of funny to think about, but when I was at that, like the Amante camps and all this kind of stuff, everyone's like, do you know who Morgan Lathrop is? And I was like, why should I know who Morgan Lathrop is? And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, how do you not know? She went to a rival school. Like she played for the same club team as you, Rachel. How do you not know who she is? And I was like, wait, what? So it was a really cool experience too of like somebody that I mimic through YouTube videos. Um, and again, I'm like dating myself here. Um, but you know, in like the 2000s, 2010 time period, um, like was from the same area as me, played for the same club team and I didn't even know it. So that was um, pretty cool. But like, I, I'm getting sidetracked here, but like that's, you know, for me, I, I found more, um, like, I, I just loved how men's lacrosse field goalies, and again, maybe it's because the announcers, like, hyped it up, you know, because the film quality was really good. They got, you know, all these fantastic shots. I'm not really a videographer. I'm more into, like, still photography, um, mm -hmm. so I'm probably not doing, I'm probably not doing, like, the description justice or anything like that, but I don't know if it's, like, the announcers or, or the quality to the film or anything like that or the angles that they had, but I always found it was like so cool. Like these men's goalies, they played so, they were so active, extremely vocal. You know, I remember John Galloway, like there was a missed shot and he physically dove across the, uh, the end line to come up with the ball at one point in a Q's game, like that was tied, right? Like back then at that time. And I was like, that's awesome. And I remember the next day I went and I did the same exact thing in my game. And I was like, this is so cool. And I, and again, it's that exposure, like women's goalies, you know, the women's game wasn't, and it still isn't, not like a political statement or anything like that, but it still isn't, you know, as uh, as out there as men's lacrosse is. I mean, I guess no lacrosse is physically out there at this point other than old NLL <laughs> games, which right. I will be watching. Um, you know, there's nothing really on right now, but, you know, in, in a sense of 
like broadcasting and getting women's games out there, even if they are, sometimes they're, you know, the school putting them out there, but there's no commentary or, you know, the camera's not that, like the quality's not that good. And I'm not bashing it. Something's better than nothing, um, you know, to an extent, but if I would just love to be able to get that, like, you know, that same TLC and that kind of stuff for, you know, for next season when everybody's back at it for the women's game too. Cause I think there's so many awesome players on both sides, all divisions, all that stuff that either have really cool stories to tell or honestly just like really awesome and athletic or have these like quirks to their game that people can learn from. Um, and if people can't see it, they don't know about it. If they can't read it. Right. They can't hear it. They don't know. So again, kind of sidetracked, but no, that's no, one, of, you, one of my rants. You go on the best rants though. I mean, I think that oftentimes I worry about people going on rants that just end up having nothing to do with the question or just kind of people lose interest or something, but no, that every rant or just long winded answer you've had has been wonderful. But when you get to UMass then, though, did you actually end up studying uh, sports management? I did, yeah. So um, I graduated from UMass um, with a sports management degree, and it was the program was just so cool. Um, the, the teachers that I had were, you, you know, everybody has a different college experience. And I think, you know, for me, like doing accounting to get to, the really cool sport management classes I absolutely hated like that that was really tough mm-hmm. um accounting and Rachel just don't really we we don't get along um back to taxes right <laughs> well exactly it's probably why I have somebody do them for me um yeah <laughs> but still you, but still you got to do all the prep for it so it's a, it's a pain in the ass but uh back to like the UMass stuff you know the, the teachers I had were were really interesting no matter if it was like an AAM class or you know a a class that went till 8:30 at night like the, the teachers were so cool and we did these these sport management there were classes in sport management it was a sport marketing grad level class i ended up taking my senior year and you prepped to actually create an event on campus which i think, thought was really cool so there was this thing called soccer fest and you would do all this like prep work and it was a i think it was like a four credit class or something crazy and you're with all these grad students and you're you're doing all of like the marketing activation, you're doing all the stuff to get the the thing off the ground. And the teacher was just there as an advisor. He, he'd like come in and he'd have his coffee. And, you know, sometimes we'd go over to his house and, you know, we would discuss like ideas and he's like, hey, you know what, that's a really great idea. You're on the right track, but you know, have you thought of this? And it wasn't like you should do, it was more of, okay, well, you want to be in the sport mark, like you want to be in the sport management world you're interested in sport marketing. Well, this is what you have to do. And when you go and you get an internship or you want to go be an agent or you want to go do all these things. Cause I mean, UMass, like the, the sport um, management program is, I mean, the current base, the current Red Sox GM, I believe is a UMass grad. Um, you look at all these kinds of things and there's so many UMass people um, from the sport, ma- like from sp- the sport management program in the sport world doing amazing things. And just seeing that he's like, Oh, I, you know, I taught so-and-so X amount of years ago, or, I mean, we had the, did we have the old, the old head of ESPN came in for one of the classes. I mean, it was, it was just, it was crazier, you know, hearing all these stories and and stuff where he's like, well, back when it was kind of a startup and I'm like, what, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and, and hearing all those kinds of things, there were so many different people that, that were brought into not just that class, but that's one that I really remember. And 
the teacher was just like really, really cool, but also very understanding of like, you know, you want to get a job, but at the same time, all of these people, um, when you go to apply for a job, they're like, well, where's your experience? And he's like, if you're not taking this class, you don't really have any. He's like, I'm not saying, and it was an invite only, like you had to apply and write like a paper to get into the class. He actually just put oh, me wow. on the spot. He, he, put, he ended up putting me on the spot one day in front of everybody is like, why do you want to be in this class? Um, so that was an interesting experience. And I was just like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get that paper to you by the end of the week. And he's like, you don't need to, that was your paper. And I was like, oh, okay. It was definitely a really cool thing. But his whole thing was like, you have to have experience, you know, to get more experience, to get a job. And so he was like, that doesn't, that's, the world's not fair. This is kind of how it is for the most part. And, you know, one of my mom's favorite things to say is it's about who, you know, and, and also what, you know, but, um, and you have to have people that can, you know, assist you and help you, you know, kind of get to where you want to be. And, and this teacher really understood that of like, you need to be able to come up with, with this stuff on your own and you need to be able to do it in a way you can fail. Right. So he's like the, the soccer, you know, soccer fest will go on, and I'm here to make sure you don't hit rock bottom where we can't get, like, we can't pick it back up again. He's like, that's why I'm here. I'm your safety net. And he's right. like, but you don't use the safety net till you hit rock bottom. So it was really cool to get that experience and, and to just kind of see, like, this is real life. I mean, we had to physically call people to sponsor because it, it was a legit event. So you had to reach out to people if you wanted, you know, we had this amazing, it's still there, um, Antonio's Pizza in in the center of town and it's like if you want antonio's to sponsor soccer fest you have to reach out to them yourself um mm -hmm. and that was something that was really cool he's like yeah i know the owner i know all these people but you have to go do it on your own and that was the really cool thing it's like we had to go and find sponsors we had to go and find people we had to do the registrations and do all those things um so it was just like one of those real real life classes which was awesome um sport law was kind of cool too i don't know intro to sport management was probably really I think that was one of the first classes or it was the first class I actually ended up taking at UMass so like first day freshman year end up taking class and this is a pretty funny story I don't know if you can tell my humor from the from a podcast or anything but I go into the you know go into our first team meeting I'm like so excited coaches are like you need to go in and you have to introduce yourself you know you need to go and do all these things right at the end of class you need to sit mm -hmm. in the first three rows you need to do all this okay fast forward a little bit absolutely nobody did it um but i did <laughs> but you know but you know here's rachel like i went and i sat in the first row and uh after the class which is really cool we were talking about like at that point there was an nba lockout all this kind of stuff so what September 2011, like NBA lockout, all this kind of stuff, you know, all that was going on. Maybe it wasn't September, but that was the time where there was an NBA lockout, that kind of stuff. And so I go up and I introduce myself to the teacher at the end. And I was like, Hey, I'm Rachel Valorelli. It's really nice to meet you. I'm super excited to be in your class. And he stops and he goes, okay, wait, he's like, there's only two kinds of people that introduce themselves to me. And I was like, um, I don't know where you're going with this, but okay. I'm like internal <laughs> thought. And I'm like, I don't know what this guy's going to say. And he's like, you are either an athlete or you are in the band. And I just look at him and he, and he just pauses for a quick second. And then the quickest thing rolls off his tongue. He goes, you're obviously in the band. What instrument do you play? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> and and I and I just look at him and I was like, seriously? And he's like, oh God, by that face, you're not pr- proudly telling me what instrument you are going to contribute to band. Uh. Um, and he's like, so so what sport do you play? And I was like, oh, I, I play lacrosse. And he's like, that's really awesome. He's like, what position are you? And I was like, I'm a goalie. And he's like, I- I'm going to be flat out with you. He's like, I'm not going to remember your name. I'm going to remember you that you're a lacrosse goalie. So in class one day, I have a question on something and I raise my hand and he's like, yo, goalie, what you got? <laughs> and and everybody's like, what, what is this? And, and he's like, He's like, I honestly forgot her name, but I know she's on the lacrosse team and is a goalie. Sorry, I'm calling you out. And he's like, what's your name again? And in front of everybody, I was like, Rachel Valarelli. And it was <laughs> it was just a very interesting experience. So I went in and I was like, I told Angela that and like my other coaches. And I was like, so Angela, I did what you said. And I sat in the front row and I introduced my, myself to my teachers. And she's like, oh, good. I'm, I'm glad you're listening. You know, all that kind of stuff. She's like, okay she's like I, I feel like there's an and so she kind of just looked at me as like speed it up and like vamoose and I was like he asked me if I was in the band and what instrument I played and she spit her coffee out and it was like I was like this is so good and, and all the other the coaches in the office were dying I mean it was just I was like do I should I be mortified should I be like you know proud that he thinks that I'm also musically talented um I mean I'm like scared shitless to go up and do karaoke but like he thinks I'm in the band I don't know it was it was definitely a very interesting thing so yeah that's uh oh that's one hell of a story (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so so that's uh that was definitely a good one but yep I studied sport management at UMass boils down to that so and he still to this day knows and he still to this day knows me as goalie really Yep, to this day. Oh my Which god, is... that's amazing. Yep. He'll remember one day. One day when you're making it big in the lacrosse world and he reads an article about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> so you've been able to take all those skills, I guess, and convert that into what is now RV lacrosse. And I mean, at what point out of post-college were you just like, okay, it's my time. I'm going to start up my own business and I'm going to start instructing people. Uh, that's, a, that's actually really good. So I thought about it um when I was at UMass I actually I started doing like private lessons and stuff with people um Mm -hmm. whether it was like up by school or or down by me you know in the summertime or at breaks um and I always I always wanted to coach like since I played AAU basketball and I was little like you know my dream you know which you've probably heard a couple times because I joke about it is like I I wanted to be in the WNBA I wanted to be drafted you know first round to the New York Liberty and before that, obviously, to get there, I wanted to be the starting center for Gino at UConn. Um, I'm five four and three-fourths of an inch. So like, obviously, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so my mom was like, you need to find another dream, okay? Lacrosse enters the picture, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, at first, she saw me play, and she's like, are you sure this is really working for you? Because, you know, the other goalie's better. She's like, so, you know, let's figure it out, chop, chop. And I was like, okay. Like, my mom has always been stern. Um, mm-hmm. so now I, I, now I kind of like remind her of that. And she's like, I would never say such things. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you did. <laughs> you, you, did. Did. <laughs> you did. So yeah, back, back to that. So like, even when I want to play, like when I was playing, um, AAU basketball for me, I, I wanted a coach cause I really liked it. I was like, okay, I want to go pro. I want to do all these things. And I was like, but in the back, back, back of my head, I was like, all right, but maybe I should think about coaching too. Really started when I was in college. I started kind of putting some ideas down of, 
you know, how I could run my own business, things I could do, that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, being a D1 athlete and going to school and especially being in the sport management, you know, side at UMass, top program um, in the country for that, respectively, and and being in grad level classes and that kind of stuff my senior year, it was off the table, but I was, I was really thinking of ideas and stuff. And um, my first, like a year and a half of, of college coaching, I, I was like really getting into it. And I was like, I got to do a little bit more. I was doing some club stuff, you know, really working and kind of mulling all the plans out. And my boss pulled me aside at one point. It was like, you know, Rachel, in order to do private lessons, you have to have your own LLC. Like you, you have to, you got to just do it. And at this point, even my mom for a couple of years was like, you really should form it. Like you've graduated from UMass now for like summer 2015. And she's like, you need to form your own business. Like, let's get this done. You know, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, you know, learn more about like, I'll bring up taxes again, like taxes for it, all this kind of stuff. Like all, all the basic things of like building your own business. And to me, it just kind of seemed very overwhelming. Like I love big picture goals and all this kind of stuff to get there. But I have to very carefully like go through and plan everything out. And I've realized that about myself now is, you know, big goal, but I can't just like jump from one place to another. I have to be able to, you know, take steps to get there. So that was something with the business. I just couldn't see past this, like, how do I get there kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I would see like point, you know, Z if we're looking at it, like, a you know, the spectrum of the alphabet, but of like you know where I want it to be how big I want it to be that kind of stuff but then I was like okay well how do I get to point b from a like a is ideas how do I get to b and that was the thing that I like was trying to figure out my mom's like okay I'll help you like let's sit down and do it and so November 2016 I think it was maybe 2017 one of those dates I kind of I can't remember exactly. Um, we got all the paperwork in and did everything that you need to do in New York State to have a limited liability company. So RV Lacrosse um, was born. I'm really creative, obviously. It's just my initials. Um, and, you know, that that was kind of that. Now it's grown into more. Um, at that point, I just had the LLC to be able to do lessons and all this kind of stuff to make sure everybody knew it's open to anybody and everybody you know, because of NCAA rules. So, cause that's big, especially being a D1 assistant coach. Um, like I was at the time, everything's got to be open or the NCAA kind of like wags its finger at you. And it's like, no, no, no. Right. Um, and, and the school's compliance office, obviously as well. It's like, it's very big. You have to make sure everything's open to everybody. So um, I did that form the LLC and then I just kind of got rolling from there. And it really became more of a thing of not just, you know, I would do a ton of lessons and I love working with kids. Like, Honestly, in a way, I mean, you know, I don't like my parents, my, my mom does senior procurement for, for Con Ed, which is the power company in New York. And my dad is a police captain. So like they work and they're like, you know, nine to five, like set job. Right. And then they come home and they're not working um, unless they're on like emergency call or my dad gets called in or whatever. And for me, there are times where I'll start working at like 1 p.m. or there are days mm-hmm. I'll be working from like 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And my mom, like, it's not normal. So I guess I would call myself a workaholic, but I think, um, and I love it. It's not, I know that sometimes gets like a negative side and it, it probably is to be honest, um, but I love doing what I do. And I mean that wholeheartedly, like, you know, I'm not being fake or anything like that when I'm like, I literally love working with kids. Like, 
and I love being able to inspire them to like get where they want to be um so I know for me that's again probably really corny and like kind of like Rachel really like that's you know but I love it um so I do private lessons and now we've kind of evolved more into doing like or, or small group lessons too but really evolved into doing clinics which are really awesome and I'll get like some other pro players and stuff I did one with Sam Apuzo um and Christina Esposito everyone calls her Espo you know we did that in November and December um of this past year so of 2019 so that, those were really big hits and that and that kind of stuff so I'm really building out those like clinics and stuff more I've also done some camps um through game breaker lacrosse um you know they make it really easy and everything so um and they're great people so it kind of just helps to launch you know my business and and what I'm doing and I occasionally write um some blog posts and stuff like that uh I do a little bit of everything honestly and I think you know I do recruiting help as well like I mentioned before um and I partnered with uh I'm showing my age here I was going to call them lacrosse recruits but they're sports recruits now kind of partnered so to speak with those guys to my recruiting um platform and and the assistance and stuff that I bring when you work with me or things like that, just that extra help. Like I'm not here to replace club the way I view it. It's kind of like that extra set of eyes and those extra set of hands that are like, Rachel, Hey, can you help me? You know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know what to say at this point. And like, I'll get back to somebody right away or as close as possible that I can, um, you know, to make sure that they're getting the help that they need. So it's just kind of like that extra little TLC and help that I provide, you know, so that, the kid doesn't feel like they're falling through the cracks in any way, shape or form. So again, like not here to stomp on toes of club directors or anything like that, but um, just bringing that like extra little bit um, of assistance and, you know, to, to the, to the recruiting game as everybody knows that's in the lacrosse world or just sports world in general. Um, if you want to play, you know, and, and be a college athlete, the recruiting process is essentially daunting. If it can be described in one word, it's like this giant mountain that, you're not sure if you have the right equip equipment to like scale. Essentially, it's like Everest, and you're not prepared. Um, right. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't climb, so I can't really. I've watched <laughs> like some of the, I've watched like some of the climbing things, but I'm in no means an expert. So it's like if I was climbing and I just like whoop fell right off. Um, I also don't like heights without a stable surface, so obviously climbing is kind of um, a stable surface underneath me. So obviously climbing is kind of out of the question for me. Um, it's like, uh, doing that free solo documentary, but like without the, uh, harnesses until you get them or whatever. Because, uh, that, well, I mean, that, that literally watching that movie, it like freaked me out. I'm pretty sure my heart rate was like through the roof watching this guy do it. And I'm like, Holy right. Crap. <laughs> I figured, I just kept telling myself they wouldn't put this thing out if he dies. So like he has to make it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, unless people wanted to be grim, but you know, that's no, uh, I, I feel like legally they couldn't even do that. I mean, eh, maybe they could. I don't know. Netflix would get their hands on it right away and create <laughs> some kind of wild plot twist about it or something. But I mean, that's, that's that's just the world we're living in these days. But no, you're right. The recruiting process is one that you, although you're not trying to step on any club's toes or club director's toes, the more mouths, ears and eyes you get on any document or phone call or anything is just that much better and more helpful because everybody has information. And honestly, I think you can take in all of it because some wording might or verbiage or whatever might sound different from one person to another. And that's those are the little things that uh, I mean, as you're a coach, but I'm not so I'm going to leave you out of this. But like a lot of coaches are snakes or however you want to describe it. And are looking for a way out of 
like commitments and stuff sometimes and it can be difficult uh, i'm a college coach too and i i think i mentioned that before but i don't know i've been talking for a while so sometimes i <laughs> no, kind of forget you're good i <laughs> I, I think it goes back to the goalie part too. Like I'll like forget where I put my phone and I'm like, Oh my God, it's in my pocket or it's in my hand. Like, I, and I'm like, I'm what 27 today. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm still like young, but old, but not really sure kind of where I fit in like the spectrum per se in that sense. And I'm like, is it dementia? Like, no, I'm like, we're, no, it's just goalie. It's goalie problem. So. <laughs> we're all just 17 at heart. <laughs> See, I, I like that. that. Was I like where that. I peaked. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Oh, I've had I've had you here for a while and we we haven't gotten to everything on the list. So that means that you're going to have to come back on. But thank you so much for hopping on, Rachel, and taking the time out of your day. I mean, this was this was a blast. And I mean, there's so much more to get into. So, yes, we're definitely going to do this again. I want to open the floor to you, though, and go ahead and plug anything, throw them handles, emails. I'll link it all in the description and yeah well i guess first and foremost thank you um so you've inspired me to at least give it a go on podcasting um so we will see um how well that that occurs but i mean kind of like what you were saying before the pod started too like our little pre-conversation um you know you want to start potentially doing some stand-up i don't know if i've uh, if i've ruined that maybe i have oh no that. throw um, the idea out there it's gonna be funny right but but for me, if I go and do a podcast, I'm like, I don't know if people will think that I just sound like a complete idiot or they're actually going to laugh along with me because I don't know. I expect it to be like, OK, you know, what's up, everybody? It's uh, it's quarantine day. I have zero clue. And feeding the dogs took 25 minutes today because <laughs> this one needs a stand. This one won't eat unless we make like the little meatballs and like round it out perfectly out of like the dog mushy food, which I refuse to touch. This one's eating off a spoon. This one won't eat unless like this, that, and the other, unless this one's present, like all this kind of stuff. This one won't eat till this one's done. This one has to be picked up, like all this stuff. And that's, that's what I expect to come out of my podcast, which I don't think people will listen to or get. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I can kind of just talk for a while. So people can mute it, I guess. So maybe it'll work, but you've inspired me. So I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I don't know. I guess probably more for another time. I really love photography too. So definitely a, uh, another a podcast for another day kind of a thing what somebody doesn't know about me is I I love photography so um that's kind of like another one of my side hustles although it seems like I have six side hustles going on at the same time that end up being just the giant (laughs) hustle if if any of that makes sense um but yeah just uh I don't know like a a shout out for like you know we, we talked kind of about my journey and and those kinds of things or not really you I I kind of just rattled and had run of the mouse disease as my mom likes to say so um she's probably like oh my god you just didn't shut up on that podcast Rachel like she will tell me when when we get off the phone which will just be absolutely hysterical and then she'll listen to it and have comments on like what I should have said or sounded better or you said um and like and this and this too many times so um, oh no we have an expert editor over here for that there's no ums or likes left in here after <laughs> <laughs> but go, going back to that you know looking at where I've come from and, and everything, my, my family is so huge for me. Um, so, you know, mom, dad, aunt, grandma, you know, even the dogs have seen me play and that kind of stuff, not box. Cause I think that would just kind of be a little funny, but like college, they came to games and stuff like that. So side note, I have, I love my dogs too. Um, so that kind of stuff, looking at coaches as well, all the different coaches that I've had, whether it's um, box fields, um, coaches for box uh, up in Canada or here, um, 
college coach, pro coaches, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, my, my trainers and things that I, that I see pretty much every week, but minus quarantine, obviously I don't see them anymore. Um, they've been so huge over the past, like two years now, really getting me to where I need to be. So they've all been great. And, and just kind of looking at where I've come from, like, you know, people say you shouldn't really like stop and look back as you're going through it. But I think now is such a great time too with being in quarantine, all this kind of stuff. Like people are saying things like, you know, or they're like the post going on about that you need to come out with a new hobby or a new side hustle or a new this or a new that. And to be completely honest with you, it's also a time that you can just be still too and, Mm -hmm. and, and really learn more about yourself. And I got really creative, honestly, with my own business too. Like I would never have thought of doing a podcast or, um, really doing more like live streaming or virtual videos or anything like that, you know, like stay tuned. I'm going to do some live streaming clinics and and things like that. Hopefully we're out of quarantine soon, but um, it's also a good way I can, without traveling, you know, people in Canada can learn from me for box stuff or anything like that, Um, you know, or California for field or for for anything really. Um, So it just makes you more accessible. And and that's the kind of stuff like being calm um, and still pretty much also helps you come up with all these ideas. you know, and, and just having a, like a different version of you or, you know, so, but it's okay too, to just like do nothing. That's okay too. Cause every, everybody's moving at a thousand miles an hour. Um, and now's the time to just kind of like pause if you want to, you know, those kinds of things um, and just have that self-reflection. But, you know, I, I look back on, on my career and it's still ongoing. I hope anyway, you know, whether it's been, you know, us or, or the people that, and, you know, and the people that have helped me get where to where, you know, I am, I've had a lot of coaches and assistant coaches and stuff in my career. And, you know, if it's teachers or, or things like that, and they've all helped me get, you know, really extremely supportive and, and helped me get to where I want to go and continue to go. You know, I still, I still have dreams. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm 27. Um, you know, I can't be playing forever. Um, although obviously I do, you know, I, I'll have placid and stuff for field and, you know, hopefully box, I'll have some pickup stuff for, for years to come and everything like that. Um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully, uh, you know, every stay healthy and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, but I think for me, there's, there's so many people, I mean, it's, it's hard to name anybody. So I, you know, I think just sticking to family and just coaches and stuff in general, but I'm also kind of grateful too, for, again, maybe there's screws loose or things like that, but in, in a way, the people that told me I can't, you know, really helped me either pivot and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not really good in this, in this Avenue. This isn't where I'm good. Let me pivot and find something else, you know, which is how I got really focused on like working with, with young kids too. Right. Like I'm, I, I love working with, with older kids and college kids and stuff like that. But I, ha- I had a coach that was like, you're really good with, with working with like little kids. And I took it at first as an insult. And she's like, Rachel, it's not an insult. Like you're, you, you just get them. Like you're really good. And I was like, it agrees with my mom. Like this, the statement agrees with my mother. Like my mom thinks I'm a five-year-old. So um, <laughs> I, I, I love you, mom. I know you'll listen to it at some point, but um, you know, that's, and at first I was kind of like, I, I felt like a little insulted by it. And then I was like, wait, no, I'm re- I am really good at that. Like let, and, and I kind of pivoted from just thinking like D1 or bust coaching D1 or bust D1 or bust D1 or bust. And I was like, I can do youth stuff. And that's really where like my business came out of it. So that's, that's one thing. Or even people that tell me like, you know, I, I had people tell me I couldn't, that I would only be D3. Like I would only be a D3 goalie. And I think when people tell you no, it, it gets you to be creative if you really want to go after it. Um, 
you know, and obviously there's like different circumstances and things like that, but I think just sports and, you know, the way that I think I'm motivated a little bit too, and looking at it is like, at least for me, and I can't speak for everybody, but you know, if somebody tells me, no, I evaluate it. And I'm like, okay, where are they coming from? And is that something that like, do I really need to think about pivoting and moving in a different direction? Or can I really do this? And and that's the kind of stuff, you know, with, with box people were like, Oh, Rachel, I like, I don't really think it's possible. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And there were a couple of people that were like, Rachel, like, I think you can. And I believed in myself and, you know, I had people in my corner and I was like, I can do that. And people telling me, no, you know, pushed me into finding new opportunities. Um, you know, as my mom likes to say, you know, if, a if there's a, you know, a door closes, there's a window open somewhere and then you just have to pry it, you know, to get in. So, yeah. um, I think being able to, you know, to plug everybody, including people that, you know, um, helpful, not helpful, whatever, like everybody, you know, I think everyone has a story to tell and everyone has a part in your story as small or as big as it is. Um, somebody you meet on the street, um, you know, just, it could be a random person sending you a nice note. It doesn't really matter. I think everybody has a, has a start, has a, everyone has a place in your story and a story to tell, um, which is why I really love your podcast too. Cause it's, obviously that's like the whole base of it it could have said it better myself and that that was yeah that was great that was perfect i'm actually truly speechless right now it's amazing it's i don't i don't know life is just kind of there's ups and downs and stuff like even you know again i can't i can't talk about anybody else's story really um especially without asking them but you know for me and my my story with umass and you know how i got there um, there were so many people that told me, you know, including like my own mom, I love her, but she was like, Rachel, UMass is done. And, you know, I never in a thousand years thought that Angela would take the job at UMass. And that's not discrediting her in any way, shape or form, but I just didn't think it was going to happen. Meanwhile, I had no idea her husband was the head coach for Amherst men's soccer and they were living halfway between UConn and Amherst so that they can make it work. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So obviously, obviously it was the perfect storm and I had zero clue, but you know, I always, it's, it's funny, like looking back at everything and like you've prompted it too. When I was younger, I always was like, I want a storybook ending. Right. And, and that's the kind of thing I look at, like, you know, I, I always wanted to win national championships at UMass and win four, uh, be what goalie of the year, be on the Tawarton, be a Tawarton finalist, like four years in a row, like this kind of stuff. And did any of that happen for me? It didn't, right? But I think looking at it, right, I, I set these goals and, you know, things of that nature. And for me, it works. And for other, it's, it's fine. Everybody can kind of try it and stuff. But, you know, just, just having that ability to be like, you know, if you believe it, you can. Um, and again, really corny, probably like kind of silly, but that's just the way that I've kind of gone about life and, and things is, you know, maybe sometimes more in like a dream state than like a physically do it state, which is why I'm like big on journaling and to do notes and all this kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Like never in a million years did I think that I would be where I am right now. Um, especially with no lacrosse in the spring, obviously that was meant to be. <laughs> right. I don't, th- I don't think people can get sarcasm through a podcast. So I got to work on that, but, um, you know, never, never in a million years did I, did I think that I'd kind of be where I am, you know, with like everything that I've gone through and stuff like positive, negative, like all the roller coasters, like that kind of stuff. So it's just crazy to like sit back and especially at this time and like doing the pod with you and stuff and and looking back and being like, that's nuts. And, 
you know, storybook, like I always looked at it like storybook ending was like, you know, the happily ever after of like the cartoons that you watched when you were younger, like the Disney movies where it's like hard, one, one hardship, maybe two hardships. And then, you know, the storybook ending and then they lived happily ever after. And I kept looking at it like you never, like I never got that. And I just realized like, you know, and it's like this constant reminder of like the story's still happening. Um, right. Yeah. You, you know, and, and they're just chapters and, and, you know, you can go and, you know, I've had like successes and failures, you know, since, since I've graduated college, even in college too, like, but you can go back and, and you can pretty much like in any time, like you can go back and pivot and you can, you know, you can, you can change, you know, your, your sales and, and flip it. And again, I'm not a sailor. So, you know, I don't sail or anything like that, even though we have a sailboat in the garage, my grandmother ran over <laughs> the mast, um, I think when I was younger, but so we have a sailboat with no mast, but, um, you know, like you can go and you can change the sails, you know, depending on the winds and, and you can do that. And people that tell you that you can't, you can't pivot, um, you know, pretty narrow minded. And, you know, if you just, you kind of look at life and, and, you know, like, okay, even, even with this stuff, right. Everybody's freaking out about the stock market. And again, I'm not big into like stocks and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, But if, if you look at that, everybody's like, you know, pull the money out, like all this kind of stuff. And, and again, I'm not knowledgeable in this area, so I, I won't discuss it really more than other than just an analogy, but you know, you have a bunch of people freaking out about the stock market or right now, or these times. And like, you know, we're going to get out of it eventually. Like what we look like afterwards is, you know, yet to be seen, but you just have to believe that you're going to be okay and you're going to get through it. Um, so like, no matter what that is, um, whether it's like times like this now, or, you know, finances or, sports or anything like that and you're trying to like figure it out um there's always a way if you if you believe you can you have like you know some people in your corner and stuff like that I feel like I've talked so much and your ears are probably numb and at this point people probably already turned off the podcast because they're like no way so I don't know that's my uh one of my little rants and stuff like that so no I I can't think of I'm probably really corny so it's no but see and that's the thing i think that oftentimes especially on podcasts people are afraid to well, i mean most corny things that people say or enclose corny things are are the truth and the way that you really should be looking at things and the way in which things can be perceived as better and or not better i guess just more positive and i think that's something that a lot of people just you need to reaffirm it right you need to remind people that although sometimes things can be shitty that there's always a positive way to look at it and i mean right now is there's literally no better time because i mean people are struggling every day right now and it's it's a very it's a it's almost like the recruiting process and I'll, this will be my last note is that we are living in a time right now that is can best be described as something that nobody's ever experienced. And there's really no way to understand it. There's no rules, anything like that. We've never done this before. And it's very similar to the way you have to go get recruited. There's some rules, yes, but it's a game that nobody really has a playbook for. And I think that is kind of how we're living right now. So make the most of it and enjoy the ride. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Rachel, this has been wonderful, though. Thank you so much again for hopping on, and uh, we'll do it again soon. So take it easy, okay? All right, hell yeah. And then, um, do you want my like Twitter and stuff like that, or? Oh yeah, yeah. Plug that really quick before I let you go. 
Uh, all right. So my Twitter and Instagram are uh, Razlax26. So R A Z S L A X, and then the number two, and then the number six. Um, and I'm trying to think of other things. My my business Instagram, which I'm kind of like building back up again, is R V underscore uh, Lacrosse, and my business website with everything on it blogs pictures what have you I just kind of like like the one-stop shop soon probably podcasts and other things god help me um (laughs) hopefully sarcasm sarcasm can be uh I think it can but I don't know I totally get it yeah I'm a a little dry but uh uh that'll all be on there the website is rvlacrosse.com so just letter r v lacrosse and then it's all there so links to everything all that good stuff this pod will probably be up there soon so all that good stuff that was awesome rachel thank you so much no thank you as always i have to thank rachel for hopping on the show this week what a great story guys i mean I think that so often she gets asked so many questions about like, what's it like going to be going into the NLL and working to play box lacrosse with the dudes and stuff like that. And I think those are all important questions. Yes. But to hear her story about how she got recruited and the different intricacies of that experience for her and the perseverance that she's shown in so many different ways is it's truly remarkable, and to just understand her story that much more is awesome. I cannot wait to get her back on because, I mean, we just talked for an almost hour and 45 minutes, probably maybe even longer, and I don't even think we covered maybe four topics. So we'll definitely see Rachel back on anybody and everybody probably very soon because, I mean, well, once we get out of quarantine at least. And, yeah, guys, uh, it's been a it's been a busy week. It's been one hell of a week, to say the least, and I think that I'm going to keep this recap really short and quick. So if you aren't already, make sure that you are going and following all of those accounts for Rachel because she is so close to getting to a 1,000 followers on Instagram and a bunch of big milestones, especially for a professional athlete who, I mean, her stuff's great, so just go follow her. And once you're done following Rachel on all of her accounts, make sure that you're following me. It's herm.png or herm underscore png on Twitter. And yeah, I post really funny stuff and well, at least stuff that I think is funny. And I keep you up to date on everything that anybody and everybody is going to be doing. So if you haven't already, go do that. If you haven't already, please, please, please consider leaving me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way. So I had an absolute blast today coming to you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Stay grooving. <laughs>